OTB GAA Scale has opened the war definitely with the football pod Where are your power rankings now? The Royal Rumble that's coming our way Hurling pod versus football pod Will, you're a coward Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed Wherever you get your podcasts Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball With Vodafone Main sponsor of the Irish rugby team We all belong to the team of us Okay, round three of the Six Nations has come and gone. Very happy to say, to reflect, we have Matt Williams. Hello, sir. Hello, Joey. How are you, mate? Very well. Grand Slam winner Fiona Hayes on the line as well. Hey, Fiona. Hey, Joe. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. So let's start with Italy 20, Ireland 34. I think uh, it's been well documented at this stage that Italy are an improving force. We got a first-hand glimpse at the weekend. They really are. Yeah, yeah, I thought they were quite excellent at the weekend. Um, one of the areas I saw massive improvement, Joe, was around um their own, around the breakdown. I mean, we talked about Doris and we talked about Van der Fleer and what damage they can cause, but they couldn't get anywhere near that Italian breakdown. They really looked after their ball um, and we know what they can do in attack. Just really exciting. I think the biggest thing that really kind of upped their game this week as well was the return of Garbisi. He was he was excellent. He controlled the game a lot better um, uh, than than the last couple of games. And 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 you know, and he's obviously back in the squad now, and he adds something extra to that. And they just they went out with confidence and they gave it a right good crack. And as they said themselves, they're they're disappointed to not get the win against the number one team in the world. Yeah, if you remember, Matt, Andy Farrell was deeply frustrated in November mm-hmm. after the game against Fiji. And, and and spoke with frustration. And so fast forward now against Italy as a quote unquote a lesser side, his sense afterwards was not one of disappointment. He said that was a proper test match. Yeah, Joe, I think we, we, I've been saying to you all along, everyone wants Italy to uh, to improve except when it's against them. Mm. And, uh, you know, you've got to give, this is a process that's been in place for a number of years. And they're finally coming to a place where we can all see it. Um, and again, I think we can draw parallels to the Irish experience where our national team is playing the same way as our provincial teams and the academies are playing the same way as the provincial teams and the schools are playing the same way as the academies, the provincial teams, the national teams. This progress. And Steve Abood, um, Irish, uh, one, of, one of Ireland's great sons in rugby, a friend and absolute closure, a great mate of mine. He, he worked for the IRFU for 25 years, went over there and set it up. And we're starting to see that same process come through. Uh, it takes a long time. New Zealand have been doing this for 20 years. Australia had it and lost it. Um, and, and we're seeing it in in um, Italy. And Andy Farrell can see that. Like it, rugby people, like you heard Fiona saying it there, rugby people can see what's going on. We're not fools. We can see the process. That was a really good game of rugby. It was very even, and all we all, all of us have to just get our head around is that Italy are not the Italy of three, four, five years ago. Mm. This is a different, this is a different kettle of fish. And just as we have to get our head around that Australia is not the same team of, of 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's it's just changed because of the systems underneath it, and that's not going to go away in the next five or six years. Sadly, they're dismantling. All reports are they're dismantling the system, which is madness. Um, but that's going to be, they're going to be there or thereabouts for five or six more years because that's how long 
that uh, the, the benefits of what Stevia Bird set up will, will last. I, you've taken my next question right out of my mouth because we've talked at length. We don't need to get into the minutiae of it now, but really good system put in place. Club's not happy, losing some of their players. They don't want this centralised academy system, so they've uh, uh, managed to navigate the politics in a way that means they're taking back control. And uh, I, I, the fear is Italy, and we're seeing it at a 20s level at the moment as well, Italy will have the guts of a very good decade, a decade of improvement, and then they will revert to the Italy of the last decade. And that is just so head-scratchingly irritating, annoying. I want world rugby to get involved somehow. It's it's just madness. But but I've got to tell you, Joe, I've witnessed this madness firsthand in Australia. You know, uh, Australia had the... When I, when I, I'm not saying it, it had nothing to do with me. I would just experience it. I'm a beneficiary of a phenomenal system in Australia that went through from the... That started in the 70s, went through from the 80s, right up to about 2007, up to, up to around that point. So it stopped around 2002, and it lasted probably for another seven or eight years after that. But they dismantled the system from within, and that and in Australia's case, they just ignored ignored the men's 15 aside game and just thought, oh, it's going to keep running itself, and it fell apart. And despite people telling them, listen, you've got to do something here, and not just me, there was there was a lot of voices doing this. They they ignored it. They're doing something about it now, uh, which is really good. But we won't see the benefit of that on the international stage for another five, six, seven years. Now, hopefully, by the time the World Cup comes down to Australia in 2027, they might start to see some of the benefits of it. Mm. Waratahs are probably two, two to three years into it. Um, but this is, in rugby terms, a tragedy. Uh, and, and your only hope is that as they go into the club system, these clubs' academies, that the academies cop on and start putting in place similar systems. I can't see that happening. Mm. doesn't mean it won't, but I can't see it happening. Okay. So to the game itself then, Fiona, the most unexpected stat in many respects which jumped off the page is that Ireland missed 27 tackles and they missed 20 in the first half. So Ireland missed 20 in the first half. Italy missed 18 in the entire game. Uh, Unexpected uh, and and like I said, jumps off the page. Uh, Italian rugby better so that's part of the story. What were Ireland doing in that first half in particular? Because they only missed seven in the second half. To miss 20 in the first half is a lot. And they, they haven't missed as many tackles as that against superior sides to Italy. So something did go wrong. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, I, I looked at them coming out, Joe. I thought they actually looked like a little, especially James Ryan. He, he actually had a great game, but I thought he looked a little lethargic coming around, coming out in the team. And as the game started, I thought defensively, they were a lot slower coming up. But I think that's got to do with the personnel that were inside besides, you know, you're getting used to guys you haven't um, played with before. And and when I was watching the game, I watched it back and um, we know the way Ireland like to defend. They're, they're very compact, but they like their wingers then to stay out in the 15. And I suppose that leaves massive work for the 13 to try and get out to connect when the ball is moving in that direction. So there was a massive gap between Bundy and Lowe. And we had um, in the backfield we have the 15 in the backfield so I really felt they were really struggling Bundy was struggling to make those connections and it's not all the tackles obviously didn't happen in that channel but I I, I felt around that area we I really looked at how important Gary Ringrose is to this team and and how we can get out there and 
it just it screamed to me that we they, their connections were completely off and then sometimes I felt like just as they were coming up they were a little slow coming up and a little bit slow to read the play so I think they got caught in the first half but much improved in the second half yeah so like players 9 to 13 on that pitch are in effect playing together for the first time they're feeling each other out is the slowness off the line Fiona is that to do with the fact that they're not as connected and, and, and wouldn't have the same uh, telepathic relationship or, or, or does it speak of a certain uh, lethargy and, and maybe it, I don't want to say an attitude problem because that, that's too strong but you take the point yeah, and it's it's funny one because it's definitely not an attitude thing. But I think once some of these guys haven't played, you know, at this level, there's a little bit of nerve set in. Um, you've had, you know, the back rows, Barco, um, obviously Conan is in, but you have these guys. I thought they looked a little bit tired. They they put in a lot of work, and you know, Van der Fleer and Doris were up there with the highest tacklers on the team on on fourteen and twelve. So the work was put in, but it just didn't look as compact. As then they were coming up, the inside defence was staying a little. If Italy went back, and that's the thing about Italian rugby, you just don't know which way they're going to go. They can spring back to the blind. They can go open. And I felt sometimes in that internal defence, it was a little bit slow in the first half. But as I said, when they were going wide, I think we struggled big time to make those connections. And as the game got on, it got a lot better. But I'm not too sure about that centre partnership. I don't think that that Bundy was able to connect and get out there as quick as Ringrose had um, obviously I'm a massive fan of Bundy at 12 but I'm not sure about that 13 especially if Ringrose isn't there it's it's something that stood out massively to me yeah Matt yeah Fiona's uh, hit the nail on the head you, you know we're, we're just so spoiled having O'Driscoll and, and Ringrose over the last 20 years two, two of the best 13 defenders uh, I've ever seen and and what, what Fiona's getting at is at 13 there's usually three or four players coming around your channel. You know you've got uh, you've got the the cavalry arriving from inside you. You're 12 and you're 10, and the, the what makes great 13s is the decision of when to when to when to go, when when to say okay you've got him, I'm going to the next guy, and it's it, it's so easy on when you've got X's and O's on a chalkboard, but that when it's decision making under great pressure, we saw as Fiona pointed out, Bundy in the first half makes some bad reads. World-class 12 doesn't make you a world-class 13. And you've got to remember, when, when Gary's been out in the past, it's usually Henshaw that moves to 13, and they've left Bundy at 12. Uh, and I'm not criticising Bundy. I have great respect for him. I thought he had a really good game in attack. But there was definitely in the first... And I, I felt James Lowe also got a bit lost because he wasn't... He didn't have the relationship with Bundy. He wasn't trusting him. He got in front of Bundy a couple of times, turned his back. It was a bit of a mess out there. And, and Italy, uh, the Varney try was right through that channel. It wasn't just that. It was It was also that Italy were asking questions that really no one, of the Irish defence, that no one's done uh, in, a, in a number of games. Probably, probably since the, the Australians a little bit did it. But the Italy were asking questions in those wide channels where the French were really just coming at us route one, uh, as, as the, the South Africans did. But the, the Italians, and again, this is where we've got to give them credit, they, they made the, the Irish defend where they didn't want to defend. So, you know, the old story, what's your tactics? Give your opposition what they don't want. What do they want us to do? Let's not do that. Let's do what they don't want us to do. And Italy did that really, really well. And they kept the ball for long periods of time. We couldn't get the turnovers we usually did. I think we really missed Tyke Byrne uh, in the breakdown as well. And they got a lot of flow on and they put us under a bit of pressure. And you know what? I reckon that's really good for Irish rugby. Really, really good for us in the long run. And, and again, so many of the problems we're seeing, we've got to come back and give Italy credit. 
for for the for putting the problems there. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't self destruction because the injuries occurred. Gary pulled out; they, they didn't have a choice. So that's what was what we did. It wasn't self destruction. It was forced errors in many ways uh, that that caused those numbers. And I, again, I think in the long run, that's really healthy for Irish rugby, the Irish national team. Yeah. Uh, you're quite right to mention Tigburn's name. Hadn't heard it mentioned much, but yeah. he comes in with big moments and they shape the momentum of a game. It, it, mate, he's a phenomenal player. But, uh, as I often say to you, I'd love to see him at six. Like right now, if he was fit, I think Henderson would go on the second row. He'd be at six and better be on the bench. Uh, I, I just think in the long run, that's his, his um, natural position. I'm not suggesting he's poor in the second row or mm. anything along those lines. I think he's fabulous. But I, I think you can really benefit from having him at six, get his hand on the ball more. It's good carrier, good, great, great hands. And he, he's a big loss at the moment, for sure, for the team. Yeah. Baird's an interesting case, Fiona. He had a difficult year last year with injury. There is no doubt he would have had a, 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 a role in November, but then injury struck again. The coaching ticket, any opportunity they get, they, they bring him right back into the fold and they give him game time. When he came off the bench on Saturday, he forced two turnovers, uh, one for the penalty, which was kicked and, and just calmed everything down in the second half. There was a good pass to Doris as part of that fifth try. More than anything, though, athletically, he seems to have a ceiling that not all players do. So he might make that late run and we might see Byrne pitch up at six. Yeah, you know you do. You 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 know what he can offer. Um, like obviously Ryan Baird is 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 someone as well. Like that's uh, came on made uh, obviously a huge turnover. Um, Ty Byrne is 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 a huge. It was a huge loss. We saw it at break time time. Just couldn't get his hands on the ball. But like I just have to. I have to talk about what's on the bench and what's there. And I suppose that's what the coaches are looking at. Um, and you have that hybrid second row back row is huge. And especially going to a World Cup time. And I, I, I thought when Baird came off the came off the bench, got had massive moments in the game, and he's he's an absolute physical beast. And I think Byrne is a similar type of player, and they and they both have the ability to play second row back row, and they can offer you that. And I think that's what Irish rugby is is wealt at the moment, is that second row back row hybrids there's a few of them around mm. and 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 they're coming in and making big massive moments in these games I was talking to I, I, someone Matt who wouldn't thank me for naming him on the air but he, he's uh, played in the green jersey in the back row and I was asking him about the Conan Dara situation and his sense was that the coaching ticket probably do want uh, Conan in the team especially if Conan is playing well and he was saying you know Conan versus O'Mahony Conan's frankly younger more explosive better ball carrier will give them go forward ball they'll get over the gain line more uh, but I suppose what Saturday taught us is uh, the starting point might almost be nothing should come at the expense of Doris at 8 Yes yeah, Abraham Lincoln don't weaken a strength strengthen a weakness you know it still holds true even in even in a in rugby maybe. <laughs> you know? well done squeezing uh, that in brilliant uh, I'm just going to throw it in there I've got, I've got them all written down here next to it but, <laughs> but it's true mate you know he's he's uh, He's a world-class eight. He's up there in the discussion for the best number eights performances across the season. Um, you know, he's he's been fabulous, and he wasn't as fabulous on Saturday. Now that we can't draw every conclusion from the fact that he played six. Again, we've got to give Italy. Italy took him out of the game in in many ways yeah. because they kept the ball. Um, but yeah, yeah. Look, again, we come back every time I've written Peter Armani off. Yeah. Uh, 
he's just proved me wrong. He's been like Johnny. Uh, but, you know, Peter was magic down in New Zealand last year. And, and it's a measure of the man and his leadership. We've got to remember he's a great line-out caller. He's a great defensive line-out player as well. Um, there's a whole lot of pluses down Peter Armani in your side. Mm. I think the beauty is they got this, and this is what apart from fullback, there's comp and Sexton. There's competition everywhere. Yeah, you know, there's competition everywhere. Now we we got to say we know who's in front, Gibson Park and all this, but we've got guys behind that we know now are really competitive. So who do you have in that back row? Now I would have Doris at eight. I'd have Josh Josh Vanderfleer at seven, without doubt. Who goes at six? Now you've got a competition on your hands. Um, I'd have Burn there. Burn's not there. Who who do you have in? Do you start Peter Armani um, uh, over in Murrayfield, or do you start Baird? Baird, this incredible athlete. Now I think the reason Baird had you mentioned his injuries, which is 100 percent correct. I, 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 there's no doubt he's a physical specimen, unbelievable athlete, knows his rugby. I think he needed to grow up a bit off the field. As when I said that, but I don't mean that. No, that way it's just maturity. And I, I believe he's, he's a long way, you know, a couple of years for a young guy that's thrown in at 21. They do sometimes do need to catch up with their ability mm. in their in their um, their personality and their nature. And I think he's done that from all reports. So I think we've got a real battle on their on their hands. And I I'd be very interested to see who starts and who goes to the bench. Uh, again, I've been burnt from riding Peter off, so I'm not going to do it. But yeah. he's, if if he, if he does get selected, Joe, he's really going to have to perform. Okay. Okay, maybe that's the way to put it. I mean, look, I, I must say, even as I the way I asked the question to Matt Fiona, I thought, God, is it, I'm wincing because I'm I'm dismissing Peter Manny far too casually there. Like, like he's off one of the best years of his career. Yeah, and the thing as well, Joe, just on on that point is sometimes the three best back rows in the country aren't the three that you want to start. You know, there there's a dynamic I think between these three guys. You have Peter Manny, and they all offer different aspects of the game. I agree with Van der Fleer, definitely the best seven. And you know, we know what Doris is like at eight. But sometimes I think you know you might look at Peter Manny, but he puts in monster performances. He's really physical in around the line out, and it's almost like these three guys have built up a really good system together and they play really well together they almost drive each other on yeah no it's a very fair point absolutely so we'll, we'll see how that uh, plays out um do you, I mean, you list off all the injuries by the way and and i mean there is a parody now of andy farrell that with every piece of bad news he punches the air and says brilliant more adversity <laughs> uh you know uh but like geez man i mean that if we were in a world cup right now you know it's in, an interesting kind of supposition Sexton injured, Ringrose injured, you know, like they, they, not easy to say the least. Um, you can get by Italy, but like Scotland's going to be sticky. Andrew Trimble made a really good point the other day, Joe, went on TV and, you know, he's just said at a certain point, what, like what, what, what Andy's trying to do and is, and he's really enjoying is putting his team under pressure and giving the other guys a go. But at a, and, and what you don't do against Italy is you don't make 10 changes. Like if you've got your full team, okay, I'm going to give 10 guys because you lose cohesion. So that when you come back to your point, your reference point before against Fuji, that, those teams quite often in that, that second game in November when they play a tier two team and they bring in another group of players yeah. that are in the national squad, they lose cohesion because you make too many changes. And Trimby's point the other day was he felt Ireland reached the point where there were that many changes, it affected performance. And that's probably a fair point. And we just mentioned, you know, Bundy playing at 13 yeah. for, for one, uh, you, you know, and then you lose, then you get Tom O'Toole come on. And I thought Tom had a 
really positive going on. I don't mean that. But there's just that many changes that you do lose that cohesion that you have when you've been with someone for a long time, which is what, what Fiona was saying, the relationship between Gary Ringrose and, and James Love. Mm. And I felt that on Saturday. You know, I, think, I think Andrew was spot on. But if that was in a World Cup and a quarterfinal, we'd lose, for sure. Yeah. You can, when you're coming up against France, New Zealand and all that sort of stuff. The hope is that a year out, you're giving these guys the chance so that if you don't lose seven or eight for the quarterfinal, but you lose two or three, mm. which might be a reality, they can fit in and it doesn't affect the team performance. That's the hope. Uh, look, I, I think when any, every team that wins a World Cup or gets to the final, there's a ball that bounces their way with injury. You know, like, like the, the 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 two two World Cups I was involved with, there's no doubt they had some luck along the way. Yeah. And then they, the, the, the one of them that I was 95, they didn't have luck. You know, the 99, they had a lot of luck. They had a lot of, a lot of things going their way. So, you know, France knocked New Zealand out for a, for a start. Yeah. So, but the, both of those World Cups that won were involved, it was the year before that won it. That, that all the planning and everything was the year before. Then the guys, they had the great squad, they had the tax, had self-belief, had self-confidence, they went out and the ball bounced their way a couple of times they won a World Cup. This is the year, right now, is when you're preparing for the World Cup, not in September or, you know, you know, I'll give you another one, JFK, get another, you know, the time to, time to fix the roof when the sun's shining. You know, gotta, you've got to do it now. You've got to do it now. Mm. And that's what Andy Farrell's doing. And I'm really, I can't speak highly enough of it because I've had 25 years of being really frustrated mm. with people not doing it. And he is doing it. And you know what? The team's still won with a bonus point. They're still online for a grand slam. And he's going to get most of those players back. I believe Jamison Gibson Park is still in doubt. Yeah. But, but, you know, he might make it, but he's the one. The other guys are all going to be back. That's my what I was told from a few of the boys there on Saturday night. So if that's the case, you're going to Murrayfield in, in really good shape. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And, it, you know, it's, it's funny when we talk about the World Cup, every discussion ends up with, but what if he's injured? And then if what if he's injured? And what if he's injured too? But what if he's injured too? Like at a certain point, the answer is, look, we need a bit of luck here. That's, that's just like we can't, we, there's no guarantee, unfortunately. And Joe, you know, it's the exact opposite to the last couple of World Cups where everyone's saying this time, we're going to win the World Cup. And I'm going, listen, no, no, you've got to slow down. You've got to get I'm trying to I'm on the other side of the bandwagon now. So yeah, that's, listen, everything's get, really Let's get excited. Yeah. And every Irish person I meet, I got in the taxi home the other day and the taxi driver goes, so we peaked too early again, <laughs> have we? I'm going, listen, why is everyone so negative? This is the one we should be positive about. It is It is going really well. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, Fiona, on Ross Byrne's performance, it was interesting. So we were just chatting in the Virgin Studio over the weekend. Matt Williams used the word excellent and Rob Carney used the word competent. So why don't you throw in your word? Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, I, I think I agree with the competent. I think he did his job Um you have to, I suppose you have to look at the pressure that was on him coming into this starting game. It was a, it was a big game for him. Um, he had a lot, he knew guys around him. We talked about that center partnership, you know, Ringrose pulled out last minute would have made a big kind of impact in how he's played. He wouldn't have been used to playing with either McCluskey or Bundy. So when you look at it from that perspective or Craig Casey on his inside as well, giving him those passes. So when you look at it from, from that perspective, I think um it was obviously, it was a, a good enough performance. Um, So yeah, competent, good enough. Um, definitely still the, the number two to, to, 
uh, at the minute, but there was no point in the game where I was saying, oh, no, Johnny's gone. Let's get Byrne in or to that starting jersey. You know, there was just nothing outstanding about it, but that's what you want. And I I, 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 I praised his kicking game a lot, Joe, and I a couple of, there was a couple of kicks that he's missed where, you know, they weren't costly in this game, but I'm sure he would have been disappointed with those couple of conversions as well. Yeah, Alan Quinlan mentioned some of his kicking from hand, a few clearances, not exceptional by any means he was saying that in the AM show this morning Matt why don't you expand on your take and, and give us what you saw um, well first for the first time in Ross's career in a green jersey the pack was laying down a good platform for him uh, when he was very highly criticised before last year's World Cup at Twickenham the pack were a disgrace and I, I'm not I choose that word uh, very succinctly they were disgraceful and if your pack's not laying down, laying down a platform, your nine and ten are going to have a bad game. Mm. If your nine and ten have a good game, as they always told my old coach said, when you you have a good game, buy the forwards a beer because they've done it for you, and it's true. I, I think we come back to um, to uh, Hugo Kernan's try. The, the source of that was Ross Byrne's pass. Ross Byrne takes the ball to the line, puts it out the back to Mac Hanson. Mac Hanson passes the ball to Hugo's. Ross's, Ross's line and took it forward, set, a la Sexton, created the space. And I, I think when I use the term excellent, it was excellent he got 87 minutes. Mm. Now, now uh, other people might feel that was a bit too long, but that, that young man's done his time. He needed some time in the saddle, and I was delighted he got it. I've, been a, I've had faith in him right through. The second part is um, Italy's always an awkward game. Yeah. It's a beautiful city. There's lots of distractions. You're supposed to boot them. You're supposed to whoop them, and they did. They did get that bonus point. So, if, and if that forwards laid down the platform, and if you're scoring out wide, your ten's got to be doing something right. And uh, I, I felt I felt he had a very very good game for where he's come from. That'll give him a lot of confidence and a lot of time going forward because he's going to be super important. Now, if we come back to our conversation before, mm. Johnny's not going to do every game mm. at his age. Right, and and he's not going to, certainly not going to do every minute of every game. And when games are won, they'll get Johnny off and get get the the number two ten or the number three ten on there. So we're going to see a lot of Ross Byrne. So it's really important for Ireland going forward that Ross Byrne is competent in that role. And and I believe he, he will be. And I believe that was a really big day for him. Did you notice? And I don't know if, if, if Fiona had the opportunity to see the, the shots that we could see in studio before the game. Ross Byrne was doing the talking in the circle. And I was absolutely delighted to see that because it doesn't matter if you're who, who's got the 10 jersey, you're the boss. The 10 is the boss on the field in attack, and he's got to be running the show. And Ross Byrne two years ago wouldn't have done that, and and he's doing that stuff now. I, I, I'm more power to the young man. I'm, I'm, I just love seeing guys that are written off yeah. get up and prove themselves. You know, I just it just makes you feel great about the – about human beings in the sport, that that this guy can get the all the horrible things that were said about him. He never comes out in the press. He never tried to justify himself with with anything but his actions. Mm. And and now he knows this is my chance. This is my time. If I don't grab it now, it ain't coming back. Yeah. And and it's just, I I guess as a coach in me, mate, it's just uplifting to see young young people doing that. You know, they got another chance. I'm grabbing it, and no one's taken away from me. It was. It's. Uh, it's really. Uh, for me, it's really, a really powerful thing about sport. I, well said. Couldn't agree more. And like there were, it wasn't even like Byrne would ship a lot of criticism where pundits would come on. And and this, by the way, geez, we, 
we are doing as much rugby coverage as anyone. So I'm sure lots of disparaging things were said here. But it, it wasn't even Fiona like Burns' game was being picked apart. He was almost just like, oh, and Ross Burns not good enough. It was like just a, it was like a, 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 you know dagger to the soul in one line for the last number of years. Yeah, and that was it. And, you know, it's not like he's changed up his game massively, but I remember watching him early days, Joe, and I always thought, I always thought he was far too deep and everything was very readable and he was just way too... He never really took the ball to the gain line. And I've seen slight changes in that in his game in the last couple of years, and I think that's given him a bit more confidence. So now you're looking at him and he's able to... Obviously, he's got world-class players outside him and inside, but you can see what he's doing. He's changed up his game a slight bit. No one ever questioned his kicking game it was just more about he was shipping the ball shipping the ball very very deep and I think with the system and with the coaching staff he has at Ireland you can see there's so many options now he's able to take the ball to the game line and because there's so many options it obviously gives him more confidence in himself and look you know I was delighted to see him on as I said I thought he'd done a, a, an okay performance might have been a bit static at times but I think the the ball was being killed at the rock and he was getting caught kind of static but um, that done uh, great stuff for his confidence but I was just a bit disappointed myself bringing someone on Crowley on for like three minutes you know what does that do for for his confidence then I know you've got to get these guys ready but three minutes for any 10 and he actually had a couple of good moments in those in those minutes so I I think while it's all well and good giving guys game time I think if you have a bench there um, I understand you have to leave guy uh, someone left on, on the bench, you know. But not Crowley, a young guy. Get him on in a game like this, you know, and see if he can if he can um, bring it to the bring it to the Italians because it would have suited him perfectly, I think. Yeah, no, fair point, fair point. I, I didn't see those shots of Ross Byrne uh, speaking to the team pre-game. Actually, I was too I was still too shaken by the rendition of Ireland's call to take much <laughs> in. It was uh, it was just overwhelmingly awful. Um, and as a as a last point on Italy, by the way, the um, that back rower I mentioned uh, did add like, and I, I do it like this sums up what it must be like to play against Italy. He said uh, one of the reasons they're so difficult to play against is you've an innate belief that you're not going to lose to them. So mentally, it's a difficult game to play. You try and say you respect them, etc., which you probably do, but you don't shit yourself like you would against France or England. And that might just be putting a perfect point on it. So there is that aspect too, you know. I can just imagine the background you're talking to saying that as well. <laughs> I've said too much. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll push on. We'll push on. So, any any anything else? Because I want to talk to you guys in the on the far side of the break about the other games of the weekend. Anything else about Ireland to take from the weekend? Well, well, they're in. They're just. Let, let's let's come to the other point. Yeah, they're leading the competition. Third game in a row, bonus point. Um, they're in great shape. They've beaten, they've beaten France, they've got, so they've, they've ticked them all off. Mate, they're, they're, they're doing a phenomenally good job. Mm. The coaching staff are doing a good job. The, 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 the extended squad has been superb, which has been a real problem for Irish rugby over a long period of time. We've always had a pretty good core of the team, but that, that extended group haven't been good. I mean, this is, this is a really healthy position, and they're playing great, sexy, running rugby that people are finding <laughs> difficult. You know, there's... Yeah. Andy Farrell and his staff need huge credit for it. Huge, huge credit for where this team is right now. And you know what? After watching four years of Irish rugby where it was like, you know, you, you seriously rather chew razor blades at some time. Like, th- th- this is really good rugby. That was a, gr- that was a real, really good game on Saturday compared to mm. the drops we had to watch between Wales and England afterwards. It was a really... 
really positive game. Okay, well, that's a good juncture to take a break on uh, rugby and off the ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Uh, quick word from Fiona on Matt. Far side of the break on the uh, two other games this weekend. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us you're welcome back Fiona Hayes is with us Matt Williams is with us Fiona I know you're up against the clock touch so uh, give us first word on France 32 Scotland 21 at 19 nil down and that was by the way with two red cards thrown in after 18 minutes or so it's, it probably speaks volumes, maybe of both sides, but certainly of Scotland, that they get back to within four when Finn Russell scores in the 68th minute. Because at 19 nil down in Paris, if there's something off with your side, be that team spirit or quality, that's where you can really, things can get really ugly and, and, and far from it. I know I thought um, it was probably just a really enjoyable game I loved watching it exactly that 19 nil down I was unsure of what way it could go but I mean Finn Russell was absolutely outstanding I thought the way he controlled the game he varied the game I know he threw that intercept pass early on and he would have been disappointed but he was able to lift his head he was jinking the ball in over the top he was kicking it high low bringing the ball to the gain line he really really pulled the strings and it, it kind of you saw exactly how dangerous Scotland can be and um, their centre partnership is is really really good at the minute and you know you, you back in the day I, I suppose you'd think of Scotland as very physical and scrum and set piece and all that but but now I'm looking at their back line and they were absolutely electric at times and and their front row I mean Schumann, Pierre Schumann is just um, a massive ball carrier you have you have the lads in in, in the back row as well I'm unlucky for um, to be pulled off as well you know you'd a red card in there but they just um they just have an ability to to play really really good attacking rugby with a very very solid set piece so they're really really dangerous and I don't think um the French team thought they would come back and you have to remember they were in the cauldron that is Paris as well and to be able to to pull it back I think Ireland are going to be in for an immense battle when they get over to Murrayfield yeah I think everyone's subscribing to that Clary because Fiona I would have said with Scotland before that, that one of the points which was made maybe over the guts of the last number of years was that in the engine room second row um, pack a touch Ireland would have felt they could outmuscle them most teams might have felt that and, and against this French pack they quietly held their own Oh, no, they were like, as I said, it was unlucky Hamish Watson was taken off, but I I thought they were very physical. You have Richie Gray and, you know, the, the two Greys in general come on, they cause havoc in there. But I think where they've, you know, obviously scrummaging wise, the Scotland props were were big guys that were all able to hold up a front, uh, obviously able to hold up a scrum, yeah. you know, but I'm just, it, it, it's it's the Turner. I mean, Turner is probably one of the best. We're all talking about Dan Sheehan here, but he's someone I've been watching very closely at hooker and he's he's dynamic around the pitch their their front row are dynamic they're physical um they are mall they're forming it so quick france hadn't a hope they absolutely destroyed france with their mall at times they were getting five six seven meters so they have that physicality about their game in their ball carry their footwork i think it's just as i said we talk about ireland having options i think scotland have, have brought a similar thing in and they look much fitter than they've ever looked they're getting around the pitch and, and they're not dying off in the closing minutes of those games yeah uh, Matt overall thoughts on both sides well again it was a cracking game of rugby wasn't it well, when I saw, saw the first red card come out I thought ah oh, here we go yeah. you know and uh, then I was uh, I don't know if you've heard 
but uh, Fabian Galtier, uh, how, how was, if you remember back a few seasons, through the punch against Richie Gray and got red carded Mayfield, um, yeah. two years ago, the two seasons ago. Uh, so Fabian gave him another chance and he's ridiculously, you know, just thrown his head into, into contact and got red carded and he's just come out and said, he's not playing for me ever again. Oh, did he say, I, I, is yeah. it? Cause uh, I did think to myself, that's, that's probably you jettisoned yeah. from World Cup. Yeah. They can't yeah, risk that's, it. So, you know, we all make one mistake, but you make two, nah, you're wow. gone. Okay. So, and, and look, you know, Fabian's making a statement to, to his squad and to the country, you know, to all the players. This is, this is ridiculous. Well, there's accidental ones, but that was just as mm. dumb as you could possibly see in modern rugby. You know, like, how could you not know that? You know, like, it was ridiculous. Yeah. But anyway, that, I thought that even the, side, the sides up uh, uh, a bit, you know, uh, Anthony Gelange, unfortunately, you know, succumbed to the head injury, so he was off. So the France were pretty disrupted. But it, when the intercept came, when when Ramos took that intercept, I thought, oh, here we go. Yeah. And uh, Scotland of the past, as Fiona said, would have, would have folded, and I thought they were going to fold. And to their great credit, um, they came back and fought and fought and fought and fought. So all the things we've been accusing them of, um, well, we, we've been not, not accusing them, but they've, they've shown the inconsistencies of the past and not been able to fight out of hard spots. Uh, they, they, they were wrong. Mm. They, they did. And uh, they'll get a lot out of that, and they deserve a lot of credit. So does Gregor, Gregor Townsend deserves a lot of credit too for the, for the way he stuck with it and built that team back up. Uh, and, and Finn Russell is showing a maturity that I didn't think he had. Um, and I, I agree with Fiona, he was fantastic. But he's been really good three games in a row now. Mm. Underplayed his hand to an extent. But has, when I say that, he is not just forcing it. He's actually seeing things, identify space, attack space as a 10. He's not forcing things like he did in the past. And his team is really benefiting. And the forwards are laying down a platform, as Fiona also put out. I mean, that was a really good platform. Yeah. And again, I'm going to put a lot of this down to, to um, uh, 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 Richie's captaincy, the leadership. There's a different leadership in that group than the past couple of seasons. It's out of Russell and Hogg's hands, and there's a different group driving the standards in that group, and you can see it. Mm. Um, it's not just same coach. It's roughly the same team. There's a couple of other players that are playing really well, and, and full credit to them. But the leadership is setting standards off the field that that is having an impact to their on-field performance, as it does with every organisation. Yeah, there's there's no doubt there's been a shift. Fiona, I know you have to run. We'll say our goodbyes. Thanks so much for tonight. Thanks, Joe. At least I don't have to talk about that uh, England-Wales game anyway. <laughs> and bore everyone. Everyone would be falling asleep. Uh, listen, Thanks, Joe. It'll, it'll be a 30-second <laughs> summary of that. Don't worry. Thanks so much. Uh, Gregor Townsend said it was better best performance as well. And he said it's weird to say that about a losing... Uh, performance so th- there is no doubt they are a steelier bunch and, and Murrayfield's going to be interesting in round four are France going backwards is there a malaise with France or, or that too strong yeah it's a good question Joe I, I think we'll know a little bit more this week or oh, sorry the next uh, round at La Crunch in Twickenham yeah um, uh, you know again like I, I, I guess Let's look at what the way they played against Ireland. That, that was a magnificent game of rugby. Everyone's saying one of the best games of rugby in years. I agree with that. 46 minutes of games in play. Takes two teams to tango. You know, so they played really well. And, you know, we, we can we come out and say, oh, it's a bit like Italy. Oh, we just expect them to beat, to smash, 
to smash uh, Scotland. They they were beating them and beating them very well. And then Scotland played some great rugby. They're not certainly not flying. They're not in peak form mm. flying. Uh, I don't know what the training load that um, that Fabian Galtier has on them. I have heard rumours that they are being pushed hard uh, at this time of the year before to, uh, with fitness and so on. I, and I've certainly seen things on Instagram where they, they appear to be working physically very hard. And what's what's the logic? So like I, periodization and sports science is very sophisticated. For me, I yep. would think, well, like... What, what, what's the benefit in going super hard now? Then they go back to their clubs and you've got the whole summer to work them hard if you want in advance of the World Cup. What what would be the logic of let's almost not sacrifice, but let's uh, risk sacrificing the six nations? Um, it's a very good question, John. I, I think you need some sports scientists yeah. there. Because I feel like Eddie yeah. Jones Eddie Jones went into that sphere, I feel, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and um, well, well, again, if we look at when Eddie Jones did that, he had them really peaking at world for the World Cup in 2009, and now physically the England side 2009, we get you know you've got to give Eddie Jones a lot of credit. There. Yeah, true. They were in great, great form. Now there's two parts of that we, we probably need. You know, I know enough sports science to be dangerous, yeah. <laughs> and I I don't even know enough to be dangerous. So, yeah, that's, so, so we'll, we'll, we'll park it as a possibility. Well, well the, the other side of that is um, it, it, the coach is trying to create some adversity. He's trying to make you say, okay, I want to see. What, what's inside you? What, can you do that? Now, that's a very confident man that, that does that in yeah. six sessions at home. But but that's Galtier. Galtier is let, – let, let's let's be really clear here. The Six Nations is not Galtier's goal. Okay. The, 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 the last weekend in October is Galtier's goal. So everything he's doing now is for the World Cup, and, and that's really obvious. Now, getting smashed and losing, that's not going to help for the World Cup as well. But they're not playing. They're not steaming the way they were before. And having said that, they're not playing horribly either. No, you know they're still they're still a force to be reckoned with. But I, I think we'll really learn a lot at Twickenham about this French side. And I'm, I'm, I've got to say, I'm looking forward to that game. Um, not not necessarily the English performance, but uh, wow. <laughs> how they go against the French. So uh, well, let's um, finish up in Wales, England. Eight points to uh, three. At half time, like it was like a scoreline from the sixties. So uh, the roof was open. It, it's funny. So like it's it, like it's a real privilege for me to to sit next to all you guys in the in this version studio and get to like pepper you with questions during a game all the, all these years. And there was a point where the two teams are just booting the ball to each other. And often a kicking game is one where I'll turn to you or Rob or whoever and say, "What was the logic of that?" And uh, the answer in this instance was, "There isn't one. They just don't want the ball." For both no. sides. Yeah. 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 Mate, it was, yeah. The, the, you know, when, when the camera is on uh, the prince and princess of Wales more than the game, you know, it's boring <laughs> and buggery. You know, like it, it really was, it was an ordinary game of rugby, ordinary people, you know, ordinary, ordinary players. It was, it, the tactics from the English are just mind-boggling. They showed absolute genius uh, at the at their first their first try. It was beautifully constructed. Ball goes along, brilliantly done. And then they then they don't show that for another hour, um, and they just you know, happy to kick and move, scrummage for penalties. The, the, you know, again, I think the English are scrummaging really illegally, and I think that'll be very interesting if Fabian Galtier doesn't bring that up. Um, 
with a referee before the England game because uh, the, the, their feet are so far back. There's, there's every, you're just seeing these scrums collapsing and they're blaming the opposition as far as the English. And the, and the last part of that is Wales are just rudderless. You mm. know, that, that, what, what was the plan? Where were they going? I've got no idea. Mm. Yeah, there's a real divide in this championship, isn't there, in, in terms of styles of play and, and those two are on one side? Um, I, I think England are choosing to do this. Okay. Um, I, I, and I don't get it. Everyone's trying to defend Borthwick. And if, if you can show what you showed for the first try for about, you know, 55 seconds, yeah, it's quite brilliant. Yeah. Can't you do that again? And you can. You do, there's there's some there's some disconnect there. Wales is different. I can't see any system in Wales. I can't see an attacking system. I can't see what they're trying to do. It was really interesting talking to Quinny Alan Quinlan um, uh, afterwards. You know, we, I did a we did the Virgin Media did a, a, a podcast on Sunday. And I was talking to Alan, and he said when you're in the stand looking down at the game, uh, the, the, the Welsh appeared really unfit. They weren't getting around the corner. And Owen Williams, the 10, is calling them around the corner. Right. And the fools just weren't getting there. Right. So I think there's a lot of, you know, the, the, there's just that basic yes. how, how fit are you, how match fit are you. And, again, that comes down to the effort they put in with their provinces. I don't think they're putting effort in with their provinces. Because, I mean, you can't even play Warren Ball unless you're super fit. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a, the, old, the old Gaddy's game plan – relied on a hugely physical uh, uh, commitment from the players. You know, it was a hard game plan. It was, it was, it was a, a brutally physical game plan. But yet he, to play that sort of game, you've got to be very fit. And they just didn't appear to be in any way there. And so they produced, um, the Welsh produced some pretty, pretty ordinary performances. And, but that's no entertainment. And, you know, that you've got to say, you, you, you think the Italians are going to beat them. The Italians have got a really good chance to beat them yeah. two, two, two uh, championships in a row. Wooden spoon decider in Rome will be interesting. Round four is shaping up very nicely. We've got England-France, we've got Wales uh, in Rome, and we've got Ireland at Murrayfield. So that's a, that's a bumper round four. We are out of time. Thank you so much. Pleasure, Joe. See you, mate. Appreciate it. Matt Williams with us on Monday Night Rugby, uh, which is, with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team, we all belong to the team of us. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us OTB GAA Scale has opened the war definitely with the football pod where are your power rankings now? The Royal Rumble that's coming our way Hurling pod versus football pod Will, you're a coward Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts